Hi, this is Pete Best, and you're listening to Sci Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Well, here we are. <laughs> Wasn't sure that was going to happen, but evidently it did. <laughs> From a place in one of the dark corners of sub-level 6, deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 332, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, snacking on stale wheat-thin pseudo-Swiss cheese food and boxed burgundy wine. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the rest of the gang of five, in the Acton TARDIS reseeding inferno, our technical anarchist, it's our own button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdriver and girl genius, more fun than a box of Japanese melon Oreos, it's Kriana. Hi, I'm definitely talking to Tracy Hickman right now. Hi, Tracy, what up? <laughs> mm-hmm. Say hi to Tracy from everyone. And returning from a weekend of never-to-be-remembered events where he walked into a convention and forgot the difference between cosplay and cosplay, a guy who likes shiny stuff, great by jobs, breathing deep. There is a... Uh... Java, there's a lot of background airflow, it sounds like, from your general direction. Is there? Try Seems to be, yes. two seconds. I'm flying. Again? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tinkerbell. What game are we playing tonight? The game that's in your head? Java? <laughs> There's all kinds of beeping going on. This will be mm-hmm. fine. Our guest tonight, we got three of them, which means sooner or later something's going to go left. We'll wait and see what happens. It's Vivek Tuari joining us for a... a Feels like you keep coming on the show all the time. This is actually only <laughs> the second time you've been on, but we talk all the time, so it's kind of the same. Vivek, welcome back, my friend. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. Uh, and, and we have a ton of stuff to talk about, but we also have some people who are working with you. Uh, the writer and creator of Astronaut Academy joins us, Dave Roman. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And we'll be talking about uh, Astronaut Academy and what's going on with that shortly. But joining us is our old friend, the wonderful, amazing Sarah Richards. Sarah, welcome back. Hey, good to be back. Thank you. Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, good. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah just got back from Scandinavia. Yeah, my brain was left in Scandinavia. It's actually Skype. Really, mm-hmm. I left my brain somewhere in Denmark. Anyway. Man, I, I wish I could leave the rest of my body there too. It's 
it's amazing. <laughs> so what were you doing there? Uh, I was there for um, two conventions, uh, Art Bubble in uh, Horsens, Denmark, and um, Raptus in Bergen, Norway. And uh, kind of did some sightseeing and hanging out with some new friends in between all that. And uh, it was amazing. It was very, very cool. And uh, I want to go back immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that come about? Um, that was uh, my, my rep uh at comic art house um uh jared like worked this whole thing out and uh met with some of the with the at least the art bubble promoter at uh, new york comic con last year and um yeah it's just been kind of in the works for a while and uh yeah it, it, is is art bubble uh, is it a is it mostly comics or is it all sorts of art uh it's Pretty much comics, um, but there's a lot of other art that was there, too. It was a lot of uh, Danish artists, and uh, it was really yeah. fun. I got to draw some dinosaurs with, um, oh, I'm so bad at names, uh, with, uh, oh, God, names. His name was Paul. He was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, and uh, got a lot of cool sketches. Just, yeah, just, I've been to so many shows here that going to shows overseas, it was just, like, a whole new world yeah now i'm starting to think of the, the little mermaid song but uh, it was yeah i please don't go there <laughs> and and especially because it's aladdin sorry <laughs> oh, shit. oh my gosh it's disney it's okay it's, it's, it's so close it's painful so what was what was similar between cons here and and cons in europe and scandinavia um, well, these both were kind of smaller shows, um, but they they were they were really laid back. In, only did like a couple a couple panels, uh, but very much like kind of the same panels that I do over here. There's a couple pony drawing panels, and it was fun because I actually had a, a panel where it was just a spotlight on my work, which was really awesome. Like I've never had that happen before, um, and. Uh, and uh, everybody there was just was just there for art. There wasn't really any celebrities at all <laughs> uh, of like any media status. So that's it was, very different. Yeah, it was great. It was just art, which it sounds you know, wonderful. It was amazing, doesn't it? Though, <laughs> yeah, it sounds wonderful. Yeah. So are they are they two day events, three day events? Um, uh, well, Art Bubble is two. I think Raptus was three days. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, these three day events are starting to kill me. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, luckily, oh like the three day one started later in the day. So before that, I, you know, I was able to walk around. I went with uh, Agnes Garboska too, and uh, me, her, and and Jarrett um, walked around Bergen, Norway, until uh, you know it was right up until the time to go set up. And the place is beautiful. Like I think. I think I want to go back just to... We didn't get to go on any of the fjord cruises, so got to go do that. So, um, we, Sarah wants a fjord cruise, if you're listening. Hiding for the fjords. <laughs> 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 I didn't get them this time, but I did go on a little water taxi. and uh, Oh, it was cool. I saw... Uh, I was shown the Hanging Hill and the Witch Burning Memorial, which, you know, my ghost love thing. Uh, so excited about that and then the guy said look at that house down the hill that's 
underneath that house there is where all the witches and criminals are buried. And it's this beautiful little white house with flowers. (laughs) And it is built on skeletons. And I want to go there for a night. So bad. (laughs) Someday. I got to go back and find an Airbnb that's in that house or convince them to let me live in their basement for a week or something. It's kind of been a, a rather magical 12 months for you. You know, going to all these different places and yeah. being able to do these things. Yeah, pretty rad. I would how do you th- with this. <laughs> how do you think it's affected uh, your art and and uh, you know just the tone the tonality of your art? Uh, well, I mean, I know this last trip to Bergen, there. Uh, I, I came up with this whole story with Jarrett. Um, that we're hopefully going to start working on in uh, in in the winter, kind of based on sort of their old harbor. Um, like they have all these old wooden houses that they're restoring, and uh, just kind of going through those. There's a little corridor through them that has a bunch of shops along the side, and we both kind of came up with a story based on like that setting. So hopefully that'll be a project that gets going this winter sometime like a little short story oh, cool yeah and then and then there was a theater that had all these little gold plaques these little designs that look like owl faces so of course i loved it um because i love owls uh and it's just like a new way to kind of go about drawing them for this uh i'm gonna try to pitch it for this upcoming project that i'm working on with franco as sort of like a design for part of the story um but yeah it's, it's just that one trip inspired quite a bit um but yeah, from all the other ones, there's little bits here and there, like subject matter and creepier things <laughs> that I want to start drawing. Yeah, because it's kind of hard to draw creepy things when it's sunny and 70 degrees outside here all the time. So. <laughs> it was nice. Well, come back to New England where we can, you know, freeze your butt off. And- well, actually, I might be doing that in April. So I'll uh, see you guys soon, I guess. Cool. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Good to see you again. I haven't told too many people that yet, so uh, surprise. Just kind of told all the listeners just now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> people, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I miss there, there's this odd little confluence here because you know we've been a big fan of what Vivek's been doing with uh, what well, we kind of got involved talking about the Fifth Beetle and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden I hear that. You guys are working together on a project called Asha Ascending. Yeah. So how did that happen? How did you guys find each other? I was trying to think of that. When did we meet? It was in was it Chicago a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know, it's funny. All these all these cons really blur into each other. And yeah. I know for sure it was uh, we met at a con. Yeah, um, and, and literally I was, you know, I was just one, one, a, a fanboy who walked up to her table I was, uh, and, um, you know, uh, and I, it, I, but I could not tell you where it was it, Chicago sounds right, but they really, they really just kind of, uh, they just kind of begin to blur. But honestly, I was, I was just a fan of Sarah's work and, and just, um, you know, just, uh, was excited to meet you. And, um, I had bought Kitty and Dino that day for my kids. And, um, you know, this was before I had really thought about, about Asha sending. It was just, you know, I, I love, love doing what I do. And one of the great joys of comic creating is, is being, is going to cons and, and meeting your fellow creators and meeting people whose work you respect. And, you know, I'm assuming 
you know, many of the listeners tonight have been to cons, and you know, it's really easy to to get to hang out with uh, with the, the, the creators you love. And and Sarah was a creator that I loved, and it was just a, a way to. And so we just met and sort of kept in touch. And then, um, you know, in the wake of the Fifth Beetle, I had this idea for Asha Ascending, and you know, I'd just having been a fan of her work for a long time, I was always in the back of my head thinking, oh, it would be really cool to do something together. And um, but that's really how we connected. It's just sort of your your basic met at a con story, really. Yeah, yeah, it just, you know, it's cool when you kind of gel with somebody really fast, and it's like, I feel like Vivek was just immediately a really good friend, so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's been cool. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And Sarah, for those of you who don't know her, she is, like, probably the coolest girl in the world. Oh, Very, yeah. very difficult not not to, to, to love Sarah. Oh, um yeah. It's true. I mean, apart from being a great talent, you know, you're just a, you have cool interests and you're just a, a great person. It was, it really was a, it was just awesome to meet, meet her right off the bat. And it's just uh, for me, it was definitely a part, you know, just, I, I had that feeling like I would just love to do something with her because her talent is, is wonderful, but also she's just such a fun, fun person to spend time with. And that's another one of the great joys about working in comics is you get to, to work with cool people and, and um, on on art projects, it's a it's a it's just a, a joy to work in this industry. So, Vivek, talk a little bit about the project itself, Asha Ascending. What's, sure. what's the themology and? Yeah, so so it's um it is a a illustrated young adult novel, and the um you know the 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 brief synopsis of the the story, if you will, is that it's it's set in a near future New York City. Uh, and in this world, surgical implants um, access a virtual internet. So, so teenagers are, teenagers are ac- accessing sort of a, a hyper internet using surgical implants. And within that world, Asha is our, our main protagonist, and she is a, a teenage uh, coder. She's a brilliant coder, and um, she gets uh, she gets involved with this uh, this, um, this guy named Hal Haven, who's an ir- sort of an irresponsible party boy whose parents are the scientists that created the, uh, the surgical implant technology. And, um, and his mother uh, falls ill, and she has to, to help Hal save his mother's life. And as part of the process of, of um, racing to save her life, they are racing against an, an evil faction uh, to unlock the code to immortality. So I know that's a bit of a mouthful, but that's basically what it's about. It's you know, set in this near future um, there's a there's a high a, a sort of very advanced internet that's accessed surgically, and um, and there's the the possibility that the code to immortality has been unlocked, and within that world, this um, this teenage coder Asha uh, has to um, has to unlock that code with Hal in order to save his mother's life. That's, that's the, sh- the the long and short of it, I guess. The long and short of it. Okay, cool. With the story. And um, and I've had that idea sort of for a while. And uh, in the wake of, uh, of The Fifth Beetle, which is, um, you know, you've heard me talk about that in the past, it's, it's definitely a long-time labor of love project, something I'm incredibly passionate about, but it's, you know, it's based on a true story, the true story of The Beatles manager. And um, in the wake of that, you know, I, I wanted to do something different and, and to tell something that wasn't a true story, um, but that was, uh, you know, and, and so I revisited this, this Asha idea that I had. Um, and I just love working with artists, and uh, you know I'm obviously a huge fan of of, of what we do in, in the comics industry. And even though I had envisioned this as a novel, you know I didn't think of this as a graphic novel. Um, you know the idea occurred to me that I should do it as an illustrated novel, in, in which um, the art, uh, much like in comics, is is more than just um, you know an afterthought, but the art is used 
um, to help propel the narrative forward. And um, it is a YA story. And, um, you know, I've for a long time thought that, that Sarah's art just lends itself so naturally to kind of the YA medium. Um, I always hesitate to say that because I think there's going to be YA publishers listening in and, and they're going to be like, really? And they're going to snatch her up and then she's never going to be available anymore because she's just going to be doing YA work because she should be. It, uh, um, and, uh, and so I reached out to her with, with this idea and, um, you know, I'll let, I'll let her, her take over from here. But, um, you know, she responded to it and I was really excited to, about the idea of developing the story with her. And, and I, I will say that, that it, it really is a collaboration sort of drawing on um, the way that comics are created, even though this is a novel, you know, I'll send Sarah um, my pages and, and she'll come back with ideas. And a lot of the ideas she has are, you know, inspire me to, to change the writing, um, you know, and, and from what I understand, that's a very unusual way of approaching sort of YA novels. Like usually the novel's done and then the art gets tacked on as an afterthought. Um, so, but, but we really are approaching it more as a collaboration. So, Sarah, when you saw the first set of pages for this, uh, did you immediately get an idea of what Asha needed to look like and that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, I uh, when I read the pages, well, firstly, I, I really wanted to work with Vic anyway. <laughs> so, like, it wasn't too hard of an arm twist to get me to say yes. <laughs> That's um, kind of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I read the pages and, like, I kind of immediately started just seeing the scenes kind of develop I'm very obviously a visual person so um kind of started getting ideas of how i'd want to paint some of these scenes and you know the descriptions were there um that kind of let me sort of put together what asha would look like and you know collaborating with vivek like we kind of came up with her her character design which you can see in the free comic book day and online um uh, at the asha ascending um and uh yeah, it was just really, really easy. It just kind of very organically kind of came together. Um, I did a few uh, scene studies for the uh, for the free comic book day and website. And um, it's, yeah, it just kind of, I don't know, it all just seemed to work really easily. <laughs> there, it just all kind of made sense. And usually I'm, I'm kind of dumb with like uh, with technologically inspired or uh, motivated uh, looking for words for this very technologically oriented um, stories. Like I can't wrap my head around them too much, but this was like really, it really made sense to me. So um, yeah, I was, I was on board right away. It's funny because I've always thought that even in the most naturalistic portions of your art, there was always an underpinning of uh, an edge of technology in it. So oh. for me to look at some of this stuff uh, in, in the chapters, it's like, yeah, this makes perfect sense, and and it's just beautifully organic the way the the the, the story and the graphics work. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's like I really like um, for my art, anyway. It's like Art Deco and Art Nouveau are like two of my huge influences, and like it's the Art Deco with all the straight lines and the um, you know geometric shapes that I thought would be really cool for more of the tech kind of side of things. But the organic like Art Nouveau lines, the way the the grid is described. It just kind of seems, you know, uh, yeah. more of an organic kind of mental, you know, thing. I don't know. Um, I just, I don't know. I just feel, it just felt right. <laughs> Everything felt right. I was, I was gelling with the story and um, yeah, I'm excited to keep going forward with it. So. 
It really so, is something that, that kind of has come together very organically and, and naturally and has really felt right. And, you know, I probably should have said this at the very beginning, but we are, we are serializing it and, um, and putting it up online for free. Um, so if you go to ashaascending.com, you can read the first four chapters. Every several, of we- several weeks we, um, we upload a new chapter. And, um, you know, the, I guess from a business model standpoint, I think the idea is that when it's all done, you know, we would compile it into a more sort of traditional book and sell that. But really, for now, it's not about making money. It's about, you know, putting, uh, putting this material out there for our fans and, and getting fan feedback. Um, and I think that, for, for me at least, that, that's also been something that, um, that has also kind of added to this feeling that about things kind of just working very, um, you know, just sort of coming together is because we're sort of serializing it on our own time. We're not under any real sort of strict deadlines. Um, you know, we can, we can sort of take it as, as the chapters come and, um, you know, and not worrying so much about the finances of it all. Um, you know, I think for me has also been a little bit liberating. And, you know, just speaking personally, The Fifth Beetle, uh, which again, I'm incredibly proud of, but it was a massive undertaking. You know, I've been researching Brian Epstein's life story for 25 years, and um, you know the book itself t- took a, you know close to a decade to get together, and 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 it was done any of that process. Um, but you know I also was in a place now where I, I don't want my uh, my readers and my fans to have to wait another decade before I start putting material out. Uh, this also was a way of uh, of allowing us to um, to just get material out as it was ready and and to have something to show the fans, and quite frankly to get feedback. Um, you know, I'd never written a YA novel before, so it's it's also great to be able to put it out there and and just see what everybody thinks. So I think so, that you know, just the way we're approaching it has also um, has also led to uh, to it sort of coming together or, or organically and naturally, if that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. What's what's the the long vision for Asha Ascending, or is there even one at this point? Um. Well, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by long vision, but you know, we I do have a um, you know the entire story arc sort of planned out in my head. Um, so so we do know where it's going, and the idea is to um, you know and to always you know just from I guess to, to in terms of process, like I always have a few chapters that are done. Like we've posted four, but I think I have about seven or eight that are finished. Um, and then so so that way you know regardless of how busy life gets, you know, we'll always be able to post a chat you know, we have a few in the backlog, so we'll always be able to post one every month or so. Um, I don't know how many chapters it'll take to, to finish the, the whole story. Um, so, but, but it'll be a while, you know, it'll probably be, be you know, at least a, a year before the story will be done. Um, and so the, the big vision really is just to keep putting up the chapters and then when it's all done, as I said, compiling them into a more traditional book, um, you know, I don't think we've decided whether that's a, you know, a digital book or a physical book or both. Um, the world is changing so radically, like, you know, if it's a year before it's done, we'll, we'll see where the, where the world is in a year and whether, <laughs> you know, the YA audience is reading more, uh, more digitally than they are physically. And if so, maybe, maybe that's what we'll do. Um, you know, if, if it was done today, I would, I would, I would probably want to do both, but, but we'll see where, where the YA audiences are a year from now. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I, I also do, you know, a lot of work in, in, um, in show business, if you will, and, and uh, you know, we'll talk about it later, but one of the things I'm spending a lot of my time on right now is television. We're adapting Fifth Beetle for TV. And, you know, the, the serialized format of Asha Ascending is not sort of unlike, um, 
it's not unlike the process of television, you know? I mean, I, as I said, I do, I do know where the story is going. I'm not going to change the ending, but, but I, I meant it when I say that, like, we take our fan feedback very seriously. And, you know, if it turns out the fans, you know, really love one of the minor or supporting characters, or they really love, you know, one location or one area of the of the the grid, which is sort of this 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 virtual internet I was talking about. If they're, you know, particularly partial to one set of the storytelling or one type of arc, then we'll do more of that. You know, we'll we'll tell more of the minor character stories and we'll set set more of it in one location. So you know. The fans change where the um, where the longtime vision of the piece is heading, but um, but not unlike a television show. You know, depending on what the ratings are like, what the fans are saying, um, we may change the journey, if you will, sort of how we get there. That that makes the process so organic, and it's a continual feedback between you and the readers. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> say that again. No. I said no pesticides used in this production. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Uh, it, this it's a great project. I mean, it's it's you've got one of the finest illustrators working oh, right no now, working with oh, you. Guys. <laughs> oh, you know, you know how we feel about you, my dear. Oh, and, thank you. And you know, it's it's sort of funny because on one hand. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I don't think there's anything um, else out there that's quite like what we're doing, you know, in, in the YA space. You know, there's certainly, um, you know, I know Wattpad in particular has a lot of YA content. And so there's certainly, you know, other places where you can go to, um, to read YA online in, in a sort of serialized kind of way. But I don't know of, of anything, anyone that's kind of doing it both illustrated in the way that Sarah and I are collaborating together and really serializing it on such a regular basis and soliciting feedback. And so on, you know, on one hand, a lot of people are, are pointing out, wow, you're really doing something different. And, and that might be way the, you know, a, a direction that, um, that, you know, this, this sort of format is heading. And, you know, I, I like to think that, that there, there's some truth to that. And it's always nice to be told you're, you know, blazing some new trails. But, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think like, well, you know, Charles Dickens kind of did this at the dawn of the novel, you know. <laughs> um, so in some ways, it's kind of a throwback. You know, all those Charles Dickens novels were serialized in newspapers, yep. you know, and, and certainly that, you know, that, this was before the days of television and people really followed those, those Dickens stories like TV and, you know, they were eagerly awaiting what's going to happen to the lead of the old curiosity shop. And, and, you know, he paid attention to what people were saying about his work and, and changed the journey, you know? So, um, so on one hand, I, I like to think that we are, you know, drawing on sort of a lot of the, the classic way, the ways that, that the very format of the novel was developed, but also maybe simultaneously pushing it into, into new, new territories or, or using new technologies um, to sort of honor old traditions, if that makes sense. It makes absolutely... You know, just because what you're saying there, it's like, yeah, it's a, and it's a story about new technology, too. So it's, right. it's kind of it's wonderful. It's, Which it's kind awesome. of... Brings us to another project you're working on uh, with Dave Roman. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great. Excellent. Um, I'm Let's just gonna. I just wanna. I wanna just wanna vouch for all the the Sarah love because uh, no one's <laughs> mentioned yet that she's she's great at karaoke too. Yay! 
So I have heard. I have yet to witness this myself, but I've heard she is yeah. she is fierce. Oh my God! Let's yeah. Once once you hear her do once you hear her do Suffragette City, you can never hear the song the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> I was extremely inebriated, and I'm so glad that you remember it as being good because I don't remember it at all. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we, maybe lyrics. we need maybe we need to add uh, a, a music component to Asha's ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Some sort of super sci-fi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> don't I'm don't. Sorry, Bowie. I'm sorry, Bowie. I'm sorry. Granicon, there's a karaoke event on Saturday night. Oh, awesome! I know. I was there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, next year you'll be there. Singing your heart out, my dear. I will. I will. I'll be practicing. <laughs> Get an outfit ready. <laughs> so, Dave, let's talk about Astronaut Academy and uh, how that got started and where it's heading. Um, like a, a, originally, like with the Big Bang and yeah, like yeah. how the whole universe. Yeah, started. I knew it. It's such a great story. <laughs> and and uh, you know, I'll quickly say that I, you know, the I, I've been such a fan of the of of Astronaut Academy from from its inception, from what Dave's about to tell you. So it is it is a great place to start because this is how I got hooked on it. Um. Wow. Now all that set up. <laughs> now I'm going to throw the ball and not say, True. yeah, I don't know. I for me, it was just an excuse to draw all the kind of stuff that I love. Um, I grew up being a huge fan of uh, American comic strips like Calvin and Hobbes and Charlie Brown. Um, and I was a big fan of Japanese cartoons like Astro Boy and Robotech um, and Voltron and all stuff like that. Um, and I was just really wanting to fuse them together uh, along with my love of video games. Um, I grew up sort of in the Atari uh, Nintendo generation. And for me, Astronaut Academy was just trying to create a universe where all of that stuff kind of made sense, um, where they kind of like all live together. Um, so it's, you know, kids in the future who have multiple hearts and they can survive, you know, being hit by a fireball or, uh, you know, wizard spells or whatever because they've got more than one heart. Um, and it's sort of a metaphor uh, for human emotion and the way it's kind of like a it's kind of a way of telling a story about feelings, uh, but through like a cool boy way, uh, rather than your typical well, I'm romance story. That they're all time lords. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're time lords. They're space heroes. They're uh, cosmic defenders. They're basically all the things that we love. Cool. And Sold. when? Perfect. <laughs> so how did this? <laughs> but like, re but really small and cute. And, and one one key component I, that that I, I think you should add or point out is that um, you know in in the astronaut academy world, like anyone can do those things as long as you you train and work hard enough and really care about it. Like you don't have to be born into it. You don't have to have a, you know a midichlorian count, uh, you know, or, or a wizarding birthright. And I think that's that's a really special component of it. You know, I mean, I grew up loving Star Wars, and like most kids my age, you know, I, I believe that I could move, you know, if I tried hard enough, maybe I could harness the force. You know, I grew up on the classic trilogy. Um, you know, and, and I think Lucas that Astronaut Academy really childhood. has that. Well, yeah, I mean, As I'm not a big do. fan of the whole midichlorian thing, I'll be As honest. They do. But like, but that's one of the things I love about Astronaut Academy is it, it's, it's, it, you know, it, 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 it really has a sense of, um, of anything's possible for anyone, you know? Yeah, it kind of, you know, to me, 
I think at a certain point, wish fulfillment gets a bad rap, but I've always liked the idea of wish fulfillment. I like the idea of like sort of aspirational uh, futures and aspirational uh, fantasy worlds where you actually want to participate in that and you want to say that like, yeah, I could be in that world and I could be a wizard or I could be a space hero or I could be a Jedi Knight. I'm, I'm totally down with that. And that's definitely what Astronaut Academy is all about. So when, how long ago did, did this actually come about? Where, when did it start for you? Um, that's always hard to say for me because I keep sketchbooks and I'm always, I'm like a, a, a compulsive doodler. I'm drawing like all the time. Um, so a lot of things will start in my sketchbook as like just a simple little drawing. So like I drew like a kid with like a space helmet on just sort of floating in space, but they were wearing their pajamas. Um, so just that idea of like a little kid in their pajamas, but they're out flying in space, uh, was just like a visual that kind of stood out to me. And I kind of really liked that. Um, but it was kind of a year, a few years later, um, that I started creating like the whole cast of characters and started building up this world. Um, I think it was, uh, well, I used to work at Nickelodeon, um, and I know I had a day job, and <laughs> having a day job means that I did a lot of doodling, because um, I was like on <laughs> phone meetings, or, or like anytime I'm on a conference call, or like in a meeting, that means I was doing a lot of drawing, um, so I know that that was about when Astronaut Academy started to come to shape, um, um, and that's not <laughs> that's to say awesome. anything bad about the job, it was a wonderful job, I absolutely loved it, um, but I just also know that I was commuting a lot, and I just had a lot of time to sort of sort of express that creativity and and I just really wanted to do something with it um, and much uh, like Vivek and Sarah were saying about serialization um, the idea of doing it as a webcomic really appealed to me because uh, that was sort of kind of happening at the time like a lot of my friends were doing webcomics and I liked the idea of uh, self-publishing but without even you know printing like the idea that you just put it up online and anybody could read it was really exciting and you don't kill any um, trees so that kinda, it's the best way to do things I mean right, I have no opinions right. about that, that <laughs> yeah. I don't, no no opinions there or anything I have no opinions whatsoever shut up you can't yeah, prove I've anything I've killed a lot of trees in my time or I can kind of take the Native American approach you know where it's like you're, you're killing the tree but you know it's going towards a good cause books are books are you know the noblest of things that a tree can become right you know so whenever I see trees I'm always like someday you will be books <laughs> so when did the web webcomic begin? When did when did the uh, world start to see? Uh, probably like two thousand six, somewhere around there. I'm a little bad with with the dates, but it was it was around two thousand six or so. I don't need the exact day. I mean, we're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you doing? What did you have for it breakfast? It was cloudy. Exactly. That's good. That's good. You got the weather. Wearing... That was my next question. I was wearing a hyper-color shirt, uh, okay. and it was changing from blue to green. Were you under um, the influence of Hypnotoad? Yeah. Um, and I was eating a lot of cereal. Yeah, I don't remember, but sugary I just know or that... Sugary otherwise? Uh, very sugary. Okay, Extra good. sugary. So that's the only good kind of yeah. cereal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, I'm guessing, because the the story and the characters are so engaging... Did you get a lot of feedback right off the bat? Um, I did, actually. It, it was great. I mean, that was kind of what was exciting about doing a web. Because, you know, when you do a book, 
uh, it can be a while before you hear from people. I mean, you know, you can go to a comic convention and sell somebody a book, but unless they go back to the hotel and like read it that night, you're probably not going to hear, you know, what people think. Uh, but when you post pages online, it, it can be like minutes later that people can start uh, responding. And that can be um, a good and thing that, or a bad thing. <laughs> right, sure. Uh, luckily for me, it was mostly good. I, I, you know, I've been very fortunate that I don't think, I think if people really hate on my stuff, they just don't even say anything. Um, they just ignore me, I guess. Um, but it was You're kind of a very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, I have a troll uh, deterrent, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think maybe because I do kids stuff, like, <laughs> people are kind of nicer to you if you're doing kids things. I think, um, and I kind of kind of got grouped in with people who were doing all ages comics, uh, which I think people were really uh, grateful for. Um, you know, I kind of got into comics when uh, the industry was kind of in a slightly darker place than it is now. Um, it was pre the graphic novel explosion. It was post image comics. Um, and I think a lot of people felt like uh, the comics industry had walked away from kids comics um, and that kids comics were a hard thing to sell. So anybody who was like w kind of willing to kind of put their money <laughs> where their mouth is and you know, make their own kids' comics. Uh, it seems that people were really grateful for that, and a lot of people would reach out and be, like, really appreciative that I was doing comics uh, that they could share with their kids. Now, Vivek, at what point did you get uh, a sense of astronaut yeah. kind of... Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's a perfect segue from, from what Dave was just saying. So I, I have a, you know, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and, you know, I, 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 my kids are, I love my kids. They're, they're, they're everything to me. And uh, I obviously love comics and I love to read. So, you know, I love to read comics to my kids. And I've, I'm really sort of always on the lookout um, for great books that I can read my kids and, and that they will enjoy and love, but that, but that I will enjoy and love too. Um, you know, and, and Astronaut Academy uh, definitely, you know, that's how I came to it as I was looking for, for comics for my kids that, that I would, was likely going to enjoy myself. And, you know, Dave and I are, are, you know, roughly the same age. We kind of grew up loving the same kind of things. So it's not surprising that like, you know, I, I, I get all the references in Astronaut Academy, even like the in-jokes, um, and, and the stories are so kid-friendly. So it was immediately something that, I mean, I, again, I just started as a fan. This wasn't something I came to from an, from an industry perspective. It was something I came to, to to find a book I could read with my kids, and, and I saw my kids loving the stories, um, but, you know, they wouldn't get the, like, obscure references to the Black Hole movie, you know, and, and I would get those. And, and uh, so it was just like, it was such a great experience <laughs> so kind awesome. of reading these in the, in the Tawari household. So what um, you're saying is it's readable, but on many levels. Totally on every level. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a really it's a really wonderful uh, trick in in a lot of ways that Dave's pulled off there. It's not not an easy thing to do. It's it's um, a very smart comic, no question about it. And and very simple at the same time. It's like so easy to under to. to I mean, that's why my my five year old loves it. You know. Um, it's so smart and so simple at the same time. It's it's really genius, um, and it's wrapped up in all things pop culture and cool, you know. So so it's uh, in in a lot of ways like you know all, any one of my friends would tell you like yeah this is sort of Vivek's dream book in in, in many ways, um, and uh, you know and so so I came to it really as a fan, um, 
but you know, I, I while um, I, I love the work that I do as a comic creator, you know, I'm also a producer of, uh, of film, television, and, and Broadway musicals. And um, you know, one of the and as I was was reading the um, when I when I got the the graphic the Astronaut Academy graphic novels, which are really you know compilations of the of the strips, um, and I read them sort of as a whole, you know, which I hadn't done previously, you know, I hadn't read them sort of all at once. Um, you know, it occurred to me that there that there is this a bigger story that really feels, uh, you know, the way that I sort of my one sentence pitch on it is like it's Harry Potter in space, you know, but it, it really felt that way to me. I was like, wow, it's got kind of all the elements of, of Harry Potter, which is not to say that it's, you know, it's a Harry Potter clone. It isn't in, in any way, shape or form, but it's got a lot of the elements that make Harry Potter great. And I was like, God, I can't. And I, I assumed that somebody had uh, had 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 option these rights and were developing them. I was like, I'm sure these rights are taken, um, and uh, and I actually sat down with Dave and his his agent about it. I don't know, Dave. When was that? Like four years ago? Um, it was many years ago, uh, and and was surprised and excited to to find that the rights were still available. But then I got sidetracked because that was round about when the Fifth Beetle uh, was coming out, and I didn't have the bandwidth to to work on anything else and. And I try um, not to be one of these producers that has like 10 things and just kind of throws them against the wall and sees what sticks. You know, I, I'd rather have like three things, but I'm working very intensely on all of them. And at the time, I, I knew that Astronaut Academy couldn't, couldn't be one of those things um, because I just, you know, was, was diving deep into launching the Fifth Beetle. Um, and then uh, it was a handful of months ago um, when uh, Dave and I bumped into each other. I mean, we kept in touch, you know, and became friends. You know, as the Fifth Beetle came out, I started doing all the cons, so I started, you know, bumping into Dave more and more regularly at conventions, and we became friends. And um, and then we bumped into each other in New York at a, a screening of the Oscar-nominated shorts, the short film, the animated short films, um, where I was with my kids. And, uh, and, you know, we, j- it was just an excuse to be back in touch. It was like, great seeing you. And, you know, I kept in touch and I was like, whatever happened with astronaut Academy, are those rights still available? And sure enough, they were. And this was a period where I felt I did have some bandwidth for a new project. So I kind of, kind of jumped all over it basically. And what's happening with it? So the plan is to to adapt it, and um, and we're not 100% sure whether it belongs at film or television. I sort of think it could go in both directions. Um, so right now we are uh, taking it out, uh, and this is something that I want to produce, not something that I want to write. Um, so I'm approaching this as a producer, which means that I'm you know taking it out to networks, studios, and writers, and um, we're in the the process of sort of um, rustling up uh, feedback. And um, and putting a creative team together, and then when the as the feedback and the creative team gets put together, I think we'll we'll narrow in on on whether this is more of a um, uh, a film franchise or whether it's a television show. Personally, you know, I I feel it's more television. Um, you know, I think that if you know to to continue to use Harry Potter as a reference, I I sort of think if Harry Potter was being adapted, you know, was making the move from books to to media. To, to film more TV now, like I think it might feel more like a television show. I think, you, you know, it would be exciting to see each one of those Harry Potter books be a season as opposed to being one movie. But, you know, granted, you know, when, when, uh, uh, when the first Harry Potter movie came out, it was a different environment. Television was, was not what it is now. 
Um, but to me, television feels like a place to tell big arcs, big stories, stories where each character kind of gets their own due. And that's another thing I love about Astronaut Academy. While there are a few main characters, all the, the, the you know, quote-unquote minor characters have have arcs or strips where, where they're the hero of, of, of that story. And, and that's something you can really do at television. So to me, it feels more TV, but we'll see. You know, we'll see where that goes. And, um, you know, I can, one, one sort of thing I can, can reveal because it's, it's over, it, you know, it's, it's over and done is like, you know, to give you an example of kind of where my head is thinking, you know, I was talking to the Duffer brothers who are the creators of Stranger Things. You know, I thought that, you know, Stranger Things, um, sort of has, you know, also um, draws from a lot of those great 80s um, movies and books that oh, Dave and sure I love, does. you know, and I was like, they would be perfect for this. And, you know, if you're a Stranger Things fan, you know, you know that, that awesome it's been picked up for a second that season. We all miss, Barb. <laughs> What's that? Nothing. I'm with Barb! Barb <laughs> You um, didn't like Stranger Things? I love Stranger Things, but it did bring back the, you know, 80s level of misogyny, which... Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, look, I mean, I didn't think it was perfect. And no, 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 turn, nothing, you know, nothing but, is uh, perfect. Nothing is perfect. I'm just sarcastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, like that, that was, um, you know, so we reached out to those guys. And, and if, you know, if you're a fan of the series, you know, it was just picked up for season two. So they're unable to work on Astronaut Academy. But that's kind of where my, my head is, is leaning. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I think Netflix but has that, done some really amazing original shows. And I no think doubt. that, I, I mean, it's really hard, I feel like, and people don't give them enough credit to get, first of all, they're making enough money to actually produce their own shows, which is unbelievable. And second of all, while doing this, they every so often hit something that not only strikes a niche nerve, but a general nerve which yeah. I feel like is really, really hard to do. Um, it, it's really easier to strike the niche nerve with, say, like, Jessica Jones. I love that show. No one else does. I mean, we... No, I love it, I, I know, but, like, we all like Jessica Jones, but, like, if you walk down the street and be like, hey, did you see Jessica Jones? Everyone's gonna look at you like you're a fucking moron. They're gonna have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about, whereas Stranger Things was clearly more in the general consciousness. But it's really difficult to come up with shows, and they've come up with such a variety of shows that they can actually afford to pick up some of the more niche ones for um, multiple seasons. And I'm thinking of one, and the name just blew out of my head. It was one of the very first ones that they did with, like, vampires and werewolves and stuff. Do you have any clue what I'm talking about? No. Mm, I don't. Oh, okay, Dome, I know you didn't see it. Hold on, let me look up the name. You're right, it was I actually didn't a really decent show. And it ended Sarah and Dave, you guys are Hamlet you guys are also Stranger Things fans, right? I, I think I saw Sarah. You've been you did some some Eleven paintings. Oh yeah, yeah, I I loved it. I watched it in two days. I would have watched it in one day, but my brain couldn't stay awake. So I watched <laughs> it in two days too. But you know why? Because I thought they only released half the season because the credits rolled halfway through, and I was really confused. <clears throat> oh, I I thought it was amazing, and that little girl is one of the most talented people I've ever seen. Right? Like she's insane. So Crazy. the show I was talking about was Hemlock Grove, and it actually oh, okay. oh yeah, it's ended. I friggin' love that show. It was a, it was a really great show, right? But I don't feel oh, like it was ever talked about at all. <laughs> it was so weird. Like it was so weird, and for bits of it, I'm like, I don't know if I can keep with this. And then it like pulled you in or and pulled then it me got in. Weirder. 
Yeah, I got real weird. <laughs> and the end was just really weird. And you were just yep. like, huh, okay. But it's like, I, oh my god, that, that kid, Peter, like, mm. he's inspired this other character that I, I have for this other, I have so many projects in mind, but like, I don't know, something about him, like, I had a huge crush on him anyway, but like, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he's, he's kind of inspired this other character for this, this story I was actually working on uh, when I went to the Queen Mary to write, like, I was trying to work on that, so hopefully that'll be something I can talk about when it gets a little bit more finished, but um, cool. anyway. You better send it to me, because... I'm going <laughs> anyway, yeah. but but my point is being that like they have the flexibility to experiment with all of these genres and and like see what sticks and if they come up with something that that sticks for a lot of people but not like every like the big cable companies if you don't get the ratings you don't get renewed period and Netflix can look at it and say look it's not of general interest to everyone but enough people like it and we like this so we're gonna go ahead and make more of it. You know, you say that, but Grimm is going for another season. Yeah, well, there's always the exception, right? <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Yeah. yeah. It's on its last season, but yeah. Not get attached to that one. I, I, wow. <laughs> you know, there's an exception to every rule, I guess. The I exception mean, is... You know, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like the te- television industry in, in general is moving in that direction. I mean, there's so many channels now... That you know that, that that sort of every show, even if it is more niche oriented, can find a home somewhere, and that's part of why I think television is a really exciting place to work right now. Well, and I mean the channels are quickly becoming irrelevant in and of themselves. Right, right. Because yeah, they're of almost becoming thematic, places. you know. Well, yeah. I mean, who cares about the channels? We got the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the. The, the exciting thing about that is is it's sort of moving in the direction like books are. And, and when you guys are talking about Astronaut Academy and, and uh, Viveka, you're saying like, you know, it was like the perfect book for you. Like that's kind of, for me, that was always like the best experience about books is like when you read a book where you feel like, wow, did they write this for me? Like, am I the yeah. only person that is really going to get this? And I can't believe that someone made this book and it feels so personal. I feel like television's moved in that direction now where like a show like Stranger Things, you just watch that and you're just like, this is like everything I've ever wanted to see. And I can't believe, but it's everything you know, a that lot someone... of people wanted to see. And that, and that was, well, but I think that's, that was, yeah, I, I think it was unexpected. I think that's, the, I don't think they made it knowing that. I think you're, I yeah, think you're right. right. That, like a lot of these shows are being made you know, much more personal, a lot more sort of niche. And then if it does blow up, you know, great, uh, you know, that, but it's more like a surprise at that point. And, and, it, and, living it, in a world where, and if it doesn't blow up, you've still got a season of something that you look at and go, this is made for me. And I really like this. And I think, you know, there's this whole tel- television from, from a network perspective has gotten very schizophrenic in that, you know, we need ratings, blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, on these other channels, in these other spaces, this really incredible content is being made. And for my money, uh, I'm looking forward to Astronaut Academy just because of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to sound like the like a real producer right now. But but the thing that I'm really excited about, <laughs> about adapting. Producer. Yeah, I guess I am. But, you know, the, the thing about astronaut, about adapting Astronaut Academy is I really feel like that has the potential to be one of those special shows that does both, that, you know, that really does, you know, hit, hit nerves that make you feel like it's very personal 
and kind of written just for you, um, but also has all the the elements for something that could be a, a very mainstream, uh, you know, beloved pop culture franchise. And I know that's a that's producer talk, but I but I really believe that with that project, and that's why I've I've literally been you know a fan for so many years, but also. Like the truth is, like as a producer, kind you know, even though I got sidetracked for a few years, it's been something that's been I've been wanting to do for you know four or five years now. I've been sort of chasing it for some time, so it's a it's really a dream to me that finally, finally, I'm getting to do it and getting to do it with Dave, who um who in that that in that period of time has become you know, not just somebody I incredibly I have a lot of respect for, but somebody that I consider a friend. So it's um it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a really real joy to work on. Well, these things so, don't get done without although, champions, and it sounds like that's exactly what you are. I guess so. You know, I mean, it's it's funny. It's one of those things where, like, I wouldn't have thought it needed a champion. You know, I was so Everything sure when I first. No, but you know, I was like I said, I was so sure when I first had this idea. I was like, somebody else has the rights. There's no way these rights are still available. <laughs> you know, it's like it was just, just no way. for the right person. Oh man, you know, I have to tell you when when people ask me about that kind of that, that this sort of process, I, I you know, about getting rights to stuff, I was like, the first thing you need to do is just ask because so many times in in my career I found that like things you just assume can't possibly be available or that creator or that the owner of that source material would never let you take it and run with it like, you know, more often than not you'd be surprised to find out that like you know, they are available because nobody asked, like, you know, or, or nobody scared. had the right idea or whatever it was, you know. Or everybody yeah. believed it was totally out of reach. Yeah, and it well, is. yeah, yeah exactly. that's, that's right. You No, I would totally believe that because I believe that about the interviews we do on the show here. We were pretty, pretty surprised when we first started out as to who we could get to talk to us just by sending him a quick Polite Just email. by asking. A polite yeah, email totally. goes a very long way. It's it's totally. kind of like when we missed each other at a convention three different times in in the span of twenty four hours, and finally you kept emailing and I kept emailing back, and it, it was the weirdest connection ever. Well, you know, a little bit of persistence, yeah. a polite email, and you never know what you can come up with. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the, the Fifth Beatle, uh, my graphic novel is, you know, based on the life of the Beatles manager, and, and most of the research I did for that was through interviews, and, um, you know, a lot of the people that I interviewed, you're right, took, took some, some persistence, because a lot of them are, are busy, and it took a little while to get to them, but, like, you know, nobody turned me down, and, you know, often people are like, how did you get that person to talk to you, and, and the answer is like, I asked, asked. you know, like, I asked nicely, and I was clearly passionate <laughs> about the subject matter, and they were like, okay, here's, here's, a, here's a guy who cares about Brian Epstein and the subject matter. And he asked, and no one's ever asked, you know? So, so here's, here's my it. problem. Yeah. I have so much more I want to talk to you about. I told you this should have been two for yeah. shows. Did I not say that right before I you brought them in? You said it repeatedly today. Okay. That this needs to be two shows. <laughs> so, my friend... We need to bring you back so that we can talk about the Fifth Beetle being developed into a TV series. We need to talk about the Harvey Awards and your second year of hosting them. So, can I get can I get from you a commitment to come back very very sure, soon? Sure, sure. Look, I can. I mean, if you'd like, I can stay on a little bit longer. We can talk some more now, but I'm also happy to come back. Whatever, whatever works for you. I I want. I know for a fact 
that I want so badly to talk about uh, what's happened with the fifth Beatle since the last time you were on. Because, <laughs> I'll, I'll make mm. a long pontification really short. He wants you for another hour. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not play around here. So All right. <laughs> we have that. I would, be ha- I would be happy to come back. Not that I, I don't. Have, That's just what he was saying. And I will have <laughs> Looking Monkey mm. get in touch with you as soon as possible for the next available time. That you can count three. I would be happy to do it. Which is what Although I'm, I am very glad that I'm very glad that on on this call, it's been great fun for me to have to to be able to share this one with Sarah and Dave. Um, so so I'm glad we did this. Thanks and thank you, Sarah and Dave, for for joining. Yeah, totally. It's always always a treat to talk to you guys. And, and I I feel like you know uh, we've had two friends of the show uh, join us tonight, and I think like we've made a third. <laughs> and Dave, I hope you know we're going to hear more from you, and, and more cool stuff is going to be happening as the time goes on. Sounds and great. And when Love you it. have something cool, please tell us. Yes, <laughs> I like to keep my cool stuff a secret. No, <laughs> until it's ready to be unleashed to the world. Oh, Where's the kraken? <laughs> right, you know, like the kraken. I, I, I can't thank all of you guys for joining us tonight. Vivek Tavari, uh, Dave Roman, Sarah Richard. Three incredible people doing incredible things. We're going to provide links to everything so that you can see just what's going on and what's happening with them. I want to thank, uh, oh God, our cast and, and, and uh, all the little people. All, all, all the other people who have been working with me tonight. Sci Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic-Con, booksandbooze.com, and comicarthouse.com. Please visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you have a free moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon. Our intro music production was provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations on robwattsonline.com. Outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their groups on, oddly enough, lawrencemademecry.com. Many thanks to the cast for joining us tonight from the Act in Action Time Warp, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Brianna. Thank you, darling. Building model TARDISes one step at a time. Back from the shadows, which means six more weeks of con season. Thank you, Java. Cons? Con... This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Thanks for having us. That sounds... Good. That sounds perfect.